0: I did read on her website that a lot of people would get pissed off because they were like, this is not a beach, this is a lake. And then (laughs) she was like, have you seen Lake Michigan? Have you seen how big it is? It looks like an ocean. It really does. Yeah. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not so favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is our resident romance expert, Sierra Marshall. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. My goal is to have you read these books with us each month so you can... My goal is to have you read these books with us so you can participate in the conversation. My... At the beginning of each month, I outline the books we will be reviewing, so whether you want to read one, none, or all of them, the choice is up to you. These books are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read Beach Read by Emily Henry. Alrighty then. Uh, Sierra, welcome to this episode of Red Wine Reads. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. I see that you brought a drink with you.
1: I did. We have a little mimosa this morning. <laughs> I got a rosé prosecco. Whoa. It's like an orange pineapple. Tropical. Beach read, Hey. Hey, there you go. Yeah, to go
0: along with the Beach Read uh, theme, I have uh, Beach Juice, which is a vodka lemonade um, in a can. Ooh, that actually sounds really good. It is. It kind of tastes like if Crystal Light was made hard. It's supposed to be your, like, zero sugar, 100 calorie drink. Oh. It's fairly good really good for what you're getting. Okay. Uh, So before we dive in, let's talk about the book first. Uh, We read Bee (laughs) Tree by Emily Henry. (laughs) And this book I actually found in one of our free libraries here in uh, Richmond. So that's kind of fun. Oh, cool. Been wanting to read it for a while. Saw it all over my Instagram feed when the pandemic hit. Been wanting to read it ever since. And so the author Emily Henry, she is also the author of People We Meet on Vacation. Um, And then she's also written several young adult novels as well so this book this book beach read was published in 2020 height of pandemic a lot of people are reading it really soared to the top of the charts and people love this book i mean love it so this book got 4.1 on goodreads it has like 4.7 on amazon it's wild i don't think i've ever seen a book this beloved across all platforms So we'll get into kind of um, a little bit of the five main characters or just the main characters. I think um, with a romance book like this, you really only need your uh, main two, but we'll kind of sprinkle some in as we go through plot. Uh, But we have Augustus Everett Gus. He's our brooding and cynical male protagonist. He has a very dark past, kind of secretive, very quiet to himself. And then you have January, who is our main female protagonist. She's a romance writer. She just lost her dad, who is uh, cheating on her cancer-surviving mom, which is not a great look. Um, And so once January figures this out, she realizes that her dad had wanted her to come to this beach house by like Michigan and wanted her to sell all the stuff at, at the beach house and then sell the beach house and as you find out later in the book, read through a bunch of these letters that he had left there for her. And then Gus lives and happens to live in the house right next to her dad's beach house on Lake Michigan. And so that's how they come to uh, meet again after they had known each other in college. Here's a little summary I found just from the Amazon page. A romance writer who no longer believes in love and a literary writer stuck in a rut engage in a summer long challenge that may upend everything they believe about happily ever afters. Augustus Everett is an acclaimed Author of literary fiction, January Andrews, writes best-selling romance. When she pens a happily ever after, he kills off his entire cast. They're polar opposites. In fact, the only thing they have in common is for the next three months, they're living in neighboring beach houses, broke and bogged down with writer's block. Until one hazy evening, one thing leads to another, and they strike a deal designed to force them out of their creative ruts. Augustus will spend the summer writing something happy, and January will pen the next great American novel. She'll take him on a few field trips worthy of rom-com montage, and he'll take her to interview surviving members of Backwoods' death cult, obviously. Everyone will finish a book and no one will fall in love. Really? Sure. That's the (laughs) summary. (laughs) All righty, let's dive in. So yeah, I guess, Sierra, since you were kind of living in uh, this area, how did you like to read a romance novel kind of set in that Uh, in that beautiful michigan weather
1: um i thought it was really cute because i do kind of know the area i knew about the lighthouse i could really picture it because i had been like to the beach area over there so that was like kind of fun to be like oh i've been there and like when they talked about certain things like grocery stores and all those things i was like oh yeah meyer i know meyer (laughs) i thought it was cute because obviously she did her research she does know about the area so
0: I thought it was fun because normal setting, as in you would find like a beach setting in a lot of romantic novels, but Mm -hmm. they kind of twist to take them to like Michigan and have it be that beach. Right. I did read on her website that a lot of people would get pissed off because they were like, this is not a beach. This is a lake. And then she was like, have you seen Lake Michigan? Have you seen how big it is? It looks like an ocean.
1: It really does.
0: Yeah, so I thought I thought that was funny. So for someone like you who reads quite a bit of romance, and for someone like me who's probably a beginner in terms of the amount of romance novels I've read, what stood out to you most about how Emily Henry wrote this couple, I guess. What was the most intriguing thing to you?
1: I really liked that they were both very intellectual. That wasn't like the forefront of this book, but the banter, I think, was there, which I really liked, Um, which does help build tension. When you have good banter with someone, it's kind of easier to draw that connection to like chemistry. But also, I really liked the whole aspect of them kind of being like college enemies, or at least in her mind, they were. I really enjoy when you have one character who is like, oh my God, she is the sun. I thought she was amazing from the get-go and she was just like, I hate him. He's my enemy. We have issues. I love that kind of thing. I feel like that is actually like how a lot of actual (laughs) relationships can start. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think what Emily Henry did super well in this book was create that kind of hatred, that tension right off the bat, where it's almost as if, since it is kind of written from January's point of view, there's all this pent-up rage in this oh my god he thinks he's just hung the moon and stars he yeah. is so successful and he's like wearing ratty t-shirts and she's picking out everything that just bothers her but there's like that added tension right off the bat right and then just throughout the whole book they'll get into situations where they're just the sexual tension is so strong right but like none of them like none of them wants to act on it mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden like the doorbell rings or all of a sudden like you know the phone rings or something like that and I just thought that was so good.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Well, and I think it's really interesting, like you were talking about how she didn't like him because he thought he was big shit or whatever. And I really like that whole aspect of her talking about the romance genre in general and how it's often put down and not seen as legitimate and as are like most things that women like. But she's like... I believe my writing's just as good as his. And obviously, Gus also believed that, right? It was evident. Him criticizing her in college was his way of saying, I actually think you're worthy competition. Someone who can take it and like use that as constructive criticism because we're both the only good writers here. But how he would get more credit, I guess, in the profession than she would get because she's a romance writer and he's a literary fiction writer. Yeah. Which in term could kind of be very similar genres. I mean, they are. Yeah. I think uh, it's interesting
0: with that point because I was just listening to a podcast the other day where... A crime fiction novelist was talking about her work and how a lot of crime fiction novelists are trying to get their books marked as literary fiction. And she was like, "Why would you want to be marked literary fiction? Crime fiction sells." (laughs) (laughs) She's like, "I want to write a book that people want that people are going to read." Right. I thought that was very funny. And so I think that like that's like with romance, women primarily but there are some other people but they'll buy romance because they're like i know what i'm getting right i'm gonna get that happy ending i'm gonna get that love story i'm gonna get i know that even if they're disagreeing about something get in a big fight if they like split up you know they're gonna end up together in the end because it's a romance novel and that's what is gonna happen yeah And I think there's some comfort in that, which I also kind of came from Gus's point of view of that. Yeah, the stigmatizing of romance novels where they're silly and they're, why would you want to read a book where you know what happens in the end kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But now after like seeing, reading this book, honestly, I get it now. There's comfort in that. There's... It's like re-watching your favorite TV show. You know what's going to happen. And so why are you rewatching this episode 15 times? It's because you get a good feeling from watching it. You just like like reading it. You like knowing that in the end, you're going to be left happy. It, I just thought that was interesting. It kind of like touched on an entirely different topic than what I was expecting for when I was reading this book.
1: Right. Well, I think even in the romance genre, I think people are less concerned with the end result. Because I mean, yeah, most of the time, as far as I know, All the romance books I've read end up with a happy ending, like you said. I don't think it's so much about the ending as it is about the journey and about really getting to understand these characters and maybe relating to the characters and really having that close connection with them and like being with them on their journey. And I think that's the most important part. And that's always what I've looked for in books in general. I love to attach myself to a character. I care more about character development and the characters themselves than I actually care about the plot, to be honest. I mean, I hope there's a good plot, obviously. But a lot of times if you give me good character development, I'll leave pretty happy.
0: Yeah, I have this uh, little thing my mom got for me for Christmas, but it's like a reading log type deal. And they have like a, a, a little rating system at the bottom where you rate the plot and the characters and the ease of reading. And I think that the character development in this was like so strong because each character, she knew what she was writing and she was like, I don't really need to focus on anyone else but these two characters. Sure, there are great side characters. I love Pete. I love Maggie. I love January's friend. All the side characters, I think they're great. Mm -hmm. But they're not distracting from the main romance of the two. Which also leads me into my first point of dislike for this book, which was... (laughs) I don't know if it was just that I didn't, like, understand it, but I just don't think that the cult stuff it threw me off a little bit from the actual main storyline of the two because i think even just throwing these two into these beach houses and just kind of like centering the story around that would be strong enough but i think that like the cult stuff Mm -hmm. was kind of weird to me and i didn't see like a connection but i would love to hear your thoughts on that
1: i mean i think it was important for Gus's character development, because mind you, they're both coming from this place of they both need to develop as writers. They both need to develop as characters. And Gus is obviously dealing with issues that he hasn't dealt with. And I think in order for him to be in a relationship, would have to deal with those in some way in order to make him like a reliable boyfriend kind of character working through those traumas that he's had in the past. I mean, he kind of said as much like that's the reason why his last relationship ended in so many ways. He chose a partner that he didn't have to open up to. So that he wouldn't have to feel vulnerable with that person. And that is ultimately probably why she ends up cheating on him, not saying that that's okay. But if you choose a partner that you're not going to be vulnerable with, of course, you're going to have relationship issues because neither one of you are actually getting what you need from that relationship. And so I think, mind you, I think the author could have gone about it a different way and like talked about something other than this cult. But for the sake of him being a writer and finding something oddball to like connect his life with in a way that's like not connected at all isn't that we what we all kind of do with books anyway like these unrelated I mean analyzing a book in general when you're in high school or whatever and they were like okay you have to analyze this book and then connect it to the real world so I think that was kind of more or less what he was doing so finding a topic that was Why would these people leave the ones they love? Connecting that to himself, but also like writing a book about it and not connecting it to himself while also very much connecting it to himself.
0: That, that makes sense. I do think it was a hot mess of like a huge topic to just like graze the top of. Right. <laughs> like I would understand it if it was maybe like one friend that had happened to like fall into the cult lifestyle and it was like maybe following that story. Mm-hmm. I just thought like taking an entire cult that was set on fire literally and writing about that was like well now I'm more interested in the cult story like why can't we just <laughs> like read that story?
1: I mean if you think about it, I would have loved, I wish in a way that this was kind of like dual POV. I think that would have been really interesting too. I mean it would have been a much thicker book but to have both of them <laughs> go into this and like you get Gus's point of view and seeing how he developed as a character what he thought from the beginning and his mindset towards all of these situations that are going on I do think it would have spoiled some things for us if it would have been a dual POV um that's probably why she didn't do it but you know I would have still liked to have had that content I think that would have been interesting
0: yeah, that's funny that you said that too. I was thinking that same thing throughout this whole book. I was like, I would I would have loved to kind of get his point of view from like looking at her in different situations and seeing like his side of things and like how he's feeling and all that stuff but yeah I do agree it would have maybe spoiled some stuff but it could have I think it could have added definitely I think for people who struggled with that same thing that I did I think it would have helped a lot like to give that context I'm
1: trying to remember let me see is this first person yeah I think it is yes it's first person so I've seen stuff like this done without spoiling plot I think it would have still been interesting if she would have done like a third person and that way because I know like in Crescent City they didn't spoil some pivotal moments even though you kind of got more than one perspective so I think that would have been interesting if it would have been like third person dual POV and then you kind of get that without spoiling anything.
0: Yeah, and I, I say this at the top of every episode. We are not experts in this. So take our word with like a very large grain of salt. Right. <laughs> book lovers talking about how it just books that we like and that we want to pick apart just because that's what we do here. Like I said, people love this book. You know, I'm one of very few that maybe didn't feel the same, but it's, it's whatever. So anyways, I had one more Big qualm with this book. I think she overused similes and metaphors and i think maybe it was coming off of reading crescent city where everything in that book is very like flat it's like this is what is happening it's written really well but it's very much plot driven where this book is very much written from this emotional perspective of this like first person and i think maybe that's why i'm so caught off guard because there are parts that i like i highlighted i highlighted this where it says um guy's eyes dipped to my mouth then rose to my eyes i thought think it's brave to believe in love. I mean, the lasting kind to try for that, knowing that it can hurt you. And then I also highlighted this other part that said the world was complicated too. Not a beautiful, hazy French film, but is a a disastrous, horrible mess speckled with brilliance and love and meeting. And like, that's beautiful. I love that. Right. But I think when it was like stacked on top of each other, there was like a portion i didn't highlight it should have but um she was talking about like her parents and she just kept tacking on a metaphor onto each thing it was like his eyes were like an ocean her, her hair was like a field of the uh, hair did it and it was just like all right hold up <laughs> <laughs> and i get it it's like a romance and so it's supposed to be kind of airy and light right you know poetic poetic yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> i don't know maybe i i again it could have been just like coming off of reading books that are definitely not that way, but I felt like it was kind of getting in the way of my reading just a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely get that. I think that is like a big thing with a lot of romance genre. It is more or less appealing to your emotional than anything. So, you know, maybe, maybe it was done on purpose to make her seem more of a fluffy kind of romantic writer. Perhaps. Because that's how she viewed love. So maybe it was done on purpose and maybe it was supposed to make you feel that way. I'm hoping that's the case. (laughs) If not, you know, like stylized choices, everyone makes them. And understandable, like, again, romance isn't everyone's cup of tea. And... This kind of writing does sometimes get repetitive, I would say, and certain tools are used more often than maybe they should be.
0: I think that's a good way of putting it where it was like a little bit repetitive mm-hmm. because like it wasn't. Yeah. And I think I got used to it, honestly, toward the end. Like I got used to it and it and it wasn't as distracting, but I think um, right off the bat, it was like a little distracting for me. Maybe it, like, even, like you were saying, kind of followed her mood. Like, it started off very, like, romanticized and then maybe morphed into a more realistic view of what this love is, Right. how it's supposed to be, you know, happy for now, that... Kind of phrase kept coming into play, and so I think I think as it went on, it became less distracting for me. But
1: I could like I could not get over it in the first couple of chapters. Well, and like I think that's the whole thing. Like I'm not gonna lie to you. Like when I pick up a romance book, it's not necessarily something that I choose to analyze. It's more of like these are my brain vacation times. Uh, it's just meant for me to like vibe, to feel, to enjoy, to not really think about to just kind of melt into. And so I kind of, no, I don't like turn my brain off because still some of the the writing's very well done in a lot of the book. But in general, when I read a romance book, I'm not looking at it to fulfill some kind of intellectual void, I guess. It's more or less to like literally just vibe. Yeah. So that's what I kind of use it for.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe I need to uh, change my mindset going into these because maybe I've just been like so hard on like, I have to analyze every single square inch of this thing, but I maybe need to, uh, (laughs) not do that. (laughs) I see that that is my flaw. All the vibes. Just the vibes. I just need a vibe with it. I did highlight, um, (laughs) this was my favorite quote in this entire book, which, um, is toward the end. When, uh, when their guest like runs out Into the rain and January's there crying, thinking that he left. And they're talking, having this beautiful moment, dancing in the rain. And then he says, when I watch you sleep, I feel overwhelmed that you exist. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Because I literally had that moment the other day where I was just watching... Casey, like my boyfriend, he was like making drinks in the kitchen, he was like dancing to the music, dancing with my dog, it was the cutest little thing, and I just like looked at him and I was just like overwhelmed with how much like love and like appreciation, and I'm like, oh my god, this
1: man... So when I read that, I was like, highlight, highlight, write it down everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's like one of the main things of like romance books is taking away those little romantic things. But I think at least my brain is very much constantly looking for the brighter side, the things that I can enjoy in life. Like I try to focus on the good in my life. And I think a lot of romance books can bring that to the forefront of your mind. Like you said, you can look at people and just be like, wow, it is incredible that you exist and that you have chosen like me, or where you can do this with family members, you can do this with friends, you can be like, it's incredible that we're friends out of all the people in the world who you've met. It is crazy that we we vibed, we were the people who were meant to be friends. It's so difficult to find people that you really understand that you can really get to know and like feel that kind of camaraderie with them. And so it is so special, so important when you find those people. And I think that kind of up how it doesn't even have to be romantic love. It can be friendship. It can be siblings. It can be parents. I can't believe that I'm this lucky person who gets to have these wonderful people in my life. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think that's
0: a beautiful way of talking about that. Um, I think that is a decent place to stop and give our final ratings. Yeah. I had an initial rating. I think I'm going to stick with it. Okay. I don't know. I I might raise it just a little bit because now that after talking with you, I think I did come into it with a little bit of a too critical eye my mind has been changed slightly. So I started with an initial three out of five, but I'm going to raise it to a 3.5 out of five. Again, not really my cup of tea. I was a little, right? like I said, distracted by the cults. Maybe that's just a me thing where I want to, I, I enjoy cult stories more. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be, uh, it might be that, but I also think, yeah, her writing style was maybe just, it didn't, it didn't vibe with me. But again, I think I need to come into a book, a romance book with a different mindset. Cause I think I'm coming into it with too high of expectations. And so I really just need to like treat it like a vacation. Like it's, it's meant to be read on the beach in one sitting, enjoyed.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. All right. I gave this a four and I will say like, if I enjoyed it enough to continue to read and I wasn't dragging my feet about it. Usually like my books will get a four and that's pretty baseline for me. Like I don't usually go under a four. Like if I genuinely like got through it, I could read it and I was like enjoying myself or I was like snickering to myself a few times. Maybe I had to close the book and scream for a second (laughs) because it was just so cute. Typically it will get a four. My favorite, favorite books will get a five. I I could give him four and a half on Goodreads or whatever, then I would. But typically you can only give actual stars. So most of them are at fours. So this one's at a four. Love that.
0: Oh, I forgot to, uh, I forgot to add. This was my second favorite line where they're having sex for the first time. And it says, he tossed my shirt aside and studied me intensely. God, he said, he said, voice deep and raspy. I fought a smile. Are you praying to me, Gus? That one was so good. I was like, "Yeah, girl, tell him. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I feel like we um we need to add a section to just our episodes where it's like steamiest parts. <laughs> Oh, that would be so funny. It's a done deal. After this, you need to send me five of your favorite quotes. So we've reached everyone's favorite part of this uh, podcast. It's my favorite part, a pairing segment where we get to pick TV shows, movies, books, wines that remind us, maybe even drinks, that remind us of this book that we read today. So Sierra, do you want to start or do you want me to start? I'll let you start. Okay. My TV show, I am late on this, so sorry, everyone, but my, uh, I just finished up Bridgerton season two. So I think, uh, that one fits in pretty, pretty nicely right here with just that hatred, but they're like, we hate each other. But then everyone's like, no, you don't. (laughs) And then my book was Portrait of a Scotsman that we read because I think that, They kind of have a similar main male protagonist and also the way that Hattie was just like, I hate this guy. He thought I was a prostitute when he first met me. And so like lots of misconceptions that turn into love. I think that that's also a thing. And then my movie was the movie Set It Up, which was on Netflix. So Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell, where they're both Mm -hmm. the assistants of their terrible bosses and they want to get them together because they think that if they have sex, that they'll be nicer to them. (laughs) And so they have that love-hate relationship where they're just like trying to be very competitive with each other. And then it ends up being a blossoming romance so yes oh and then um wine wise i did not think this one through can i just say uh i'm gonna break my own rules i'm gonna choose a drink
1: and i'm gonna do sex on a beach because why not oh yeah why not your turn okay so drink i'm also breaking your rule (laughs) And I kind of just went with what was in the book. A lovely little lime margarita, I think, would do well. Or even a nice IPA, because he's a writer. You know he's not drinking normal beer. I feel like he's drinking IPAs. (laughs) For movies, I put Candy Jar, which is on Netflix. Also Bridget Jones' Diary, because they were talking about that. And then I also put Little Italy, which has Hayden Christensen and emma roberts i think it's kind of like that competitive knew each other as children but now they're like very competitive towards each other so i thought that was a good one for tv shows i put gilmore girls specifically logan season once rory's in college i think it's her second year in college and you get into like more of the the logan or jess of it all yes i say either Jess's season or logan season i think both do well and then for books, I put Martha Waters' *To Love and to Loathe* mm-hmm. or Suzanne Allen's *Mr. Malcolm's List*, which is also a movie. Love that. And well, then I'm just writing them down so
0: I can have them. Wow, those drinks were really good. I can't get over that IPA. That fits perfectly with Gus. Well, Sierra, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Thank you for bringing a drink with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. So much fun. Can't wait to do this again. And we'll be meeting again very shortly, so stay tuned, everyone. And if you have any thoughts and comments about our conversation, if you really just want to lay into me today because you were just like, you have no idea uh, what you're talking about, please visit us on Instagram and TikTok and let us know. (laughs) (laughs) DM us. (laughs) DM us. But thank you so much for joining me. Too much fun. Uh, And we'll see you again very soon. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at RW Reads Podcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-I-S-T. That's at RW Reads Podcast on TikTok and Instagram. And next Tuesday, Ellen and I will be discussing the science fiction novel, Project Hell Mary by Andy Weir. You won't want to miss this one. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.